Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. Uh, we, hey, if you just press play, you missed 33 minutes of us talking about phase four, just uh, me and Dan's response to that and reaction to it, how it's kind of a weird phase of the Marvel world and kind of a risky phase, an overwhelming phase in terms of amount of content, kind of how we feel about that, how we interpret people's reactions to that, and then even sort of just the way in which we like feel Disney needs to start taking more risks and not just with Hulu, but also specifically on Disney plus if you support on Patreon for $3 a month, you get access to that and many other pre discussions that we have that are about 30 to 50 minutes of talking about stuff. Um, they're all pretty interesting for the Halloween one. Uh, we talked about werewolf by night. So if you're into Marvel stuff, you definitely want to hear about that kind of how the two of us reacted to it. Um, yeah, you'll hear about other Patreon supporter bonuses throughout the episode. So we'll be able to save some time here of me talking and pitching to you. <laughs> but yeah, $3 a month Patreon. That's the bare minimum. You can support more if you'd like. Uh, but there's other perks. Tune in further to hear more about that. But uh, you're here to hear about She-Hulk, which has been simultaneously controversial and predictive of its own controversy which i mean anyone could have guessed but uh dan do you want to do you want to introduce she hulk and we can get into it sure uh she hulk is a well first she hulk the character uh was created um as a female counterpart to the bruce banner character uh and she quickly sort of carved a niche for herself out for being a more funny irreverent version of the character um, she would often break the fourth wall, at least in her original comic book series. Later iterations of the character would kind of tone that aspect down a bit. Um, but she ended up creating sort of her own uh, cult following. There actually were plans for a She-Hulk uh, movie in the, I believe in the late 80s. I think um, Canon Pictures was going to make. Uh, oh, so she's film. a pretty old character. I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. That actually, sorry, that just makes the jokes about like, why don't they make new characters instead of just a girl version of a character? It's funnier now because she's so old. <laughs> like, because part of that com critique is because of the like, I think it was like the the early 2010s phase of Marvel being kind of a resurgence of female versions of characters or different interpretations. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I, she also been just, around for over 40 years. I had um, no idea. Totally yeah. new. That's why I'm cutting you off. Sorry. It's just like <laughs> new information, new information, uh, <laughs> content drip. <laughs> yeah, actually, hold on. Let me to double check. I, there was supposed to be a She-Hulk movie. I want to, um, who was supposed to? So Bridget Nielsen was going to play the character. Uh, Bridget Nielsen. So that even makes the last episode, the intro, being like a, a recreation of the original kind of Hulk. Yes, the theme yeah, thing. The, it makes yeah, it a little the, more fun. Yeah, and it was called Savage Sea Hulk, which was the name of her first comic series, which was fun. But it was like a shot for shot remake of the um bill bixby lou ferrigno sh uh, hulk show from the 80s which looked neat. cool they could have yeah. saved a lot of cg money by just having that suit i mean she would have been sweating all the time they actually got a male male bodybuilder to play the hulk version of she hulk oh really okay yeah, just it would have i thought it was going to be like an oscar isaac in apocalypse situation where like <laughs> <laughs> when he's not shooting he has to go to a trailer that's like <laughs> extreme air conditioning and sit alone for like a couple hours uh Poor so guy. bad Poor guy. Can't even use his iPhone because it's not touch sensitive with the suit. <laughs> uh, uh, but She-Hulk, uh, the show, is in 2022. <laughs> uh, nine episode season of television put out by uh, Marvel Studios, streaming on Disney+. Plus. It's created by Jessica Gao. You remember as the person who wrote the Pickle Rick episode of Rick and Morty. Uh, it includes a pretty, uh, what I consider to be pretty strong writing cast, including uh dan schwartz who a uh, big fan of check out uh, noble blood uh zeb wells who's a former writer for comics as well as robot chicken uh we also have kate uh cat coro as directing quite a few episodes uh the premise of the show is that jennifer walters played by tatiana uh maslani who if you watch orphan black you're very familiar with her she played like seven different characters in that one show 
Um, she is the sister or cousin of Bruce Banner. I don't remember which one it is. Cousin. Cousin. Okay. Uh, I believe in, I believe his sister in the comics, but uh, I might be wrong. I never really read any She-Hulk comics. So we're getting into characters that I'm less, less familiar with. Werewolf by Night. I've never read any stories with that character. So, mm-hmm. um, But early on, she gets uh, some of his blood in her system. And so it uh, causes her return to the Hulk. It's implied that it might be somewhat genetic too, like something about their DNA reacting with the super soldier serum. Uh, but that's not really super duper explored. But so she, despite having a promising career as a lawyer, she also is turning into a Hulk, uh, much to her uh, annoyance as she wants to be taken seriously as a lawyer and focus on doing that. But inevitably, because she is now a Hulk, she just keeps, keeps getting pulled into all these ridiculous situations. The main one being that she actually gets hired by a law firm who is opening up a specifically a superhero law division, uh, which creates some what I think are some of the highlights of the show where she gets has to cover some superhero related stories. Uh, Mr. Immortal, who has been getting out of marriages by committing suicide, even though he can't die. <laughs> uh, she has to def- help Wong, who's suing a magician who stole stuff from Convertage. Uh, lots of what I think are silly but fun premises. And kind of on purpose, it turns out the main overarching story is both not focused on as much and less interesting. And that's partially by design. I kind of have mixed feelings about that, which I'm sure we'll get into when we get into the uh, very talked about finale of the show. Uh, I've mentioned before, and it's almost like this was kind of uh, specifically I requested a I want these shows to be less connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and kind of more uh, focused on something completely separate from them. I want things that are more episodic and include more minor characters. I think that's more fun. And I also just like things to be different. Like I like, I want them to take more creative risks. I want them to try different things different narratively. And I will say She-Hulk is other than WandaVision, one of the only one of these to take advantage of the fact that it is a streaming show, uh, particularly in the finale. So it does a lot of things I specifically have been requesting. And of course the big thing, um, which is not really a spoiler because the trailers, but they do, um, Charlie Cox does reprise his role as Matt Murdock in Daredevil. Uh, and what I think is many people's favorite episode of the season and he even shows up in the finale in kind of an amusing way. Um, and it was just wonderful to see him back again, which gives this show so many points for me. Uh, but I found it to be a very amusing, uh, if not always funny. Like, it's one of those shows that it's funnier on paper. And a lot of things I found myself kind of like cracking a smile at as opposed to actually laughing. Uh, but it was consistently entertaining. Um, I found that a lot of the characters were actually quite likable and endearing. And um, I have very mixed feelings on they do the thing where they do something that's purposefully kind of dumb and look at the camera and be like, well, that's kind of stupid, huh? And it's like, well, you could just have not done that thing. Yes. <laughs> and, and that I would have been better. And I do think that it does over exceed its own grasp a bit where thematically the finale is a standal as a standalone episode of television. It's really good. I like it a lot. Um, but as a payoff to a season of television, um, it definitely leaves a lot of things kind of in the air. And some people might find it unsatisfying while other people will just be so just, amused by how weird it gets uh but that's gonna be the thing that's very divisive but overall i found it to be a very entertaining season of television um i actually think a lot of the conversations around the show are much more I- intense than the show itself ever is as the show is very light and silly um there is some really strong performances particularly from our central character and like i said i just love seeing daredevil again so i found it to be one of the better disney plus shows by uh quite a bit it's much more memorable than all the shows it uh, introduces so many fun, weird characters. Leapfrog is great. I love all the characters at the retreat. Um, they actually bring in the Wrecking Crew, who I always thought was stupid, but here they are in the show, and they actually actually use them, what I think, in a way that works for them. Um, but I found it to be a solid nine episodes. I would like another like 10-episode season that's even more divorced from any of this, and it's just a straight-up like, lawyer show. Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S. and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. 
Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You it's want me to... expand Cinematic Doctrine. You know right, this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention, you get to tell us what to do. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. Melvin, what did you think? Um, yeah, I put this one off. Um, I just wasn't really, it's not that I wasn't interested in the show. I guess I was because, uh, and the more that I heard about it being more of just a comedy on its own, like that interested me more. I found that actually more lighter and appealing to watch than just like a, like a Hawkeye or something <laughs> where like, I don't know, I don't even really need to explain that one. I think it just makes sense. But um, yeah. And when I finally did watch it, like it was a really steady, like press play. I want to watch the next one. I want to watch the next one. Not because I was like, what's the plot line? Tell me what's going to happen next. But because I just like the characters. And that's actually one of the benefits of like putting the narrative to the side is that if you just have good characters, I come back for the characters. That's why you keep watching Seinfeld. That's why you keep watching the office. It's like you want to see where these characters end up going. And that like was just interesting to me that like this show just did so well with just having good enough characters that I just wanted to keep going. Like even the silly side ones, um, like Titania were just kind of fun and like goofy that like, I just wanted to keep watching the show and see how, like if this character is put into the scene, how's it going to affect that character in that scene? And so to that end, I enjoyed that. I also was really like interested in the fact that like the show is ironically commentating on exactly how, people are reacting to the show, um, <laughs> yes. which is really like, not again, not hard for the show to have done. Like you could just expect it, but the fact that it was so like spot on, like, I don't know, that was really like uh, clever to me, but obviously these are being written by millennials who are in the post internet age. So it makes sense that they would be so aware of like, yeah, these people are writing these mean things about you on, on this website called intelligentsia. And like, even on the sidebar, they didn't, we noticed it before they opened it. Like we even paused it, but it says like, is she Hulk a slut? And it's like just a picture of her in her suit, like of her breasts, but it's not even like graphic. It's just stupid. And like that kind of stuff was just really funny. Um, and like, uh, like obvious, right? Like, cause that's the sort of thing that you see on like, not that you're going, I hope you're not listening or going to bad websites. Like, um, I don't know, Breitbart type BS websites that are just total, like you want to talk about fake news. I mean, come on. Um, but like websites like that, right? Like where, where it's just slander and it's like really stupid, but they're like making jokes about that, that are all pretty clever, a little heavy handed. And that's like one of the problems of the show is I think it's too heavy handed up to the final episode being just too heavy handed with its metatextual stuff. Um, like when your metatextual stuff is both text and metatext, it's really frustrating to me not to just immediately jump to the final episode, but that's kind of like, <laughs> I know it's your final episode. It's like ending your final shot of like a really great movie and then turning to like a, a gross toilet. Like that to me would like, no one would talk about your movie. They'd be talking about why was the final shot a gross toilet. Like that's really stupid. Uh, and that's kind of like, not that it's the equivalent, but that's kind of like the problem I think with the show is that the meta text, it kind of just gets annoying and it gets in the way of the fact that like, it's a fun lawyer show with a suicide, with a suiciding superhero. <laughs> like that's funny or like leapfrog was really funny. And like, you're getting all the meta text kind of got in the way of that to me, but it's also like funny. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's confusing to me. I, I don't really know if I think the show was great, I think the show was very enjoyable uh, and more enjoyable than some of the more serious stuff that the other shows had. Like, yeah, way better than Hawkeye, but not quite in the way that I think the show itself wants to be. But yes, it it's, has, it's interesting to say, but it does have more in common with the WandaVision or even Loki than like any of the other shows because it takes advantage of like its format as a show and uh, I think Loki's also just benefited by being six episodes. So there's that too. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was fun. We laughed a lot. We enjoyed it. 
Um, like I said, it was an easy binge because it was all very fun and very short. Like the show is nine episodes, but it's not nine hour, nine hours of a show or like a Stranger Things syndrome of being like 20 hours. But like these episodes were like 30 minutes. So. Yeah. And they varied, like it varied in length. Um, but yeah. And, and we can't go without mentioning the CG, but the CG's fine. But I do think like we'd be remiss not to mention like we are hitting a point where like I, I think people are just interested in watching a show that's real and She-Hulk is not very real. The first episode is probably the roughest because it's the least real. Um, there's just scenes in it that aren't live action because it's just fake. It's not real. And like, I don't know. I just part, part of why I like, I, the aesthetic of Halloween ends and the Halloween that trilogy is because it's set in a real location with real people and it just feels real and the color correction makes it real and all of it makes it real. I mean, movies aren't real, but that's like the thing, like at least try and be real. And like this, like it's not, it's not even like a heightened reality of like a superhero world. It's just fake. And that just, I don't know that, that, that affected my experience that like you just see something and you're like that's a backlot that's a set but not even like yeah. a hollywood backlot or a set where it's fun it's like just a it's the the mandalorian dome like it's just so i don't know i it was good it was i enjoyed it i don't think i probably reacted to it like some people online are but i'm also not online so i really don't know but i can assume that it's not very good i know on letterbox um interestingly enough i think the stands are not watching the show. So it was getting hit by people who are just tired of the MCU. And it's unfortunate that this one's the last show in the phase four, because it's going to get the most hate, I think because of it, because we're just so tired, but I don't know. What what do you think? What do you think of what I think about the show that people think about? (laughs) What do you think about what I think? I mean, what do you think about what I think about what you think? Um, I do think it's, it suffers from the lack of stakes but I think some of the the diehards, like they're invested in the ongoing larger narrative. And so when you have something that's so disconnected from that, which other people see as a positive, there's yeah, going to be I like, like that. that core audience might not react as strongly. And so like, I think as people, more people actually started watching it. I think it, the perception kept improving where people were actually giving it a chance and realizing that like, okay, yeah, it's like a silly, hey, this is pretty funny show. Yeah. But it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's fun. And like, I think, Weirdly, it has some of the more nerdier things in it. Like you have these like minor characters um, that are not big, no, like known superheroes necessarily. But also, like, yeah, it brought Tim Roth back into the MCU. We got Abomination again. Um, this is a show that reintroduces yeah, like Daredevil, funny. Daredevil, you know. And so, like in that regard, it's it's the most oddly connected to the rest of the MCU. Like they introduce Scar Banner at the end. <laughs> like big spoiler for the end, but like it's the show that featured probably the most like consistent amount of cameos and appearances than any of these other shows, which is like weird. Like, you know, so like, I'm not sure what the, which was part of the metatextual thing where she Hulk is trying to tell her own story and trying to take control of her own narrative. Uh, but all these other things just keep happening, keep interrupting. She gets pulled away to a wedding. Uh, all these other characters just keep showing up. And so like the yeah, last episode is kind of supposed to be, we were taking control of that, so to speak. Uh, but Again, like it's the show that's the most clogged with just stuff happening versus like, yeah, a meteorite's never going to blow up the earth, but you know, Wong is in multiple episodes. Hulk is in multiple episodes. Abomination's in multiple episodes. So like, it's the show that's the most like connected in that way. Yeah. Uh, which I think helped endear it to some fans where like initially people were like, why do I want to watch a show about She-Hulk? She-Hulk's not a character I care about. CGI looks bad in the trailers. Um, and it's like, it's just about this, like, there's no ongoing plot. There's no mystical MacGuffin they're trying to get. There's no Infinity Stones. There's no whatever. Why am I watching this? Which is just a weird attitude for television shows in general, which is <laughs> I don't watch shows because of how they tie into some larger narrative. I watch shows because it seems like a good show. But um, I, so I think there was that portion of the online discourse that just views any inclusion of like a woman Women. as yeah. something that's like part of some sort of agenda, which She-Hulk kind of leaned into a little bit by making the quote villains like a, a angry group of, great. Uh, yeah who, so funny. a website that looks suspiciously like reddit that they use um where they make like bad memes and stuff which um some see that's poking the bear i my thing with it was like it's funny but also like incels are not a bear they think they are bears 
Actually, maybe they are bears, but well, I'm just uh, saying it's, they're it's, not it's, bears. Like, why? Who cares if we poke them? <laughs> well, like in the sense that it's like a, it might create more online discourse. Whatever. Is what I'm saying. But like, my thing was less about that because I think that's actually pretty clever. Because yes, it is. Like, okay, like who would She Hulk's big <laughs> enemy be? Would it be Titiana, uh, played by Jamil Jamil from uh, some of you may know from The Good Place, or is it going to be just people that just don't like her existing? But right. It's the problem is like right. they're kind of isn't an ongoing antagonist like they are the de facto one but the, each episode is so self-contained and there's there's kind of in a background like overarching antagonist but like in the last episode they point out that like well this kind of doesn't make any sense does it <laughs> so like right they kind of discard it so um like i appreciate that about the show like they kind of knew what people would complain about they complain about cgi they complain about she hulk uh being a ripoff of the incredible hulk which is i mean no one complains that robin's a ripoff of batman but whatever um and they're going to complain that she's too provocative even though she really isn't that provocative they even included and i i also thought the twerking thing wasn't funny but like i didn't care about it i thought it's like silly but it's not like i'm not like cackling but then there's later one of the videos they leak is of her twerking and making fun of her so i was like they even knew that would happen so You may not know this, but the easiest way you can show your support for Cinematic Doctrine is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So press pause and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And then press play again so you can hear the rest of the show. But yeah, like, so I do think they did a good job of kind of sort of anticipating what people react to. Um, I just... Yeah, I think if the show was funnier, I think if it was a stronger comedy and not just like kind of amusing slice, of, it felt like just a bunch of slice of life anime episodes sometimes. Yes. Um, which some people like that. There's whole animes that are just slice of life episodes. But I think if it was, had more consistently strong jokes, I think people would have liked it more. Um, but I think, but as like, I found this central character to be so charming that I just had fun watching the show because. Also, I just knew Daredevil, Daredevil will be in it at some point, so I just kept waiting yeah. for Daredevil to show up. But like, yeah, I, I found I found everyone strangely endearing. I actually found myself cheering for Blonsky to reform <laughs> by the end, and yes. was happy to find that he had not, in fact, he had in fact had reformed, and he had no idea what was going on. So, but yeah, do you want to talk about Daredevil? Uh, I, it was good. I I thought his character was still his own character, kind of being an independent leader um, without being a leader. Like he tells people what to do like he treats this place like it's his city like you could practically hear him say that um and like uh, so he was still the same character honestly um we me and cat always joke though that like it's so funny he has all this catholic guilt and except for when it comes to sex like yes. he doesn't <laughs> seem to worry about that but it's still funny um but yeah like i thought that was fine and i like the new suit i think it's cool the reason for the new suit's cool too uh, i guess i guess sometimes you got to get a new guy to make your suit i guess melvin wasn't working out i don't yeah. know uh but have you watched all of daredevil not yet no okay um but yeah i um we'll talk about content drip that's another frustrating thing it's like now i gotta finish those but um and i, I only have like a couple more seasons left to get through but still it's just a lot um there's so many watching you just <laughs> just fall apart in front just of like my eyes sadder. <laughs> i'm just like getting sadder and we're disappointed uh yeah you can see it yeah um, but yeah, I thought it was fine. What about you? Oh, <laughs> I just, I was so pumped. Like, it's the, like the one fanboy thing I still have in me towards MCU is like the television shows that predate Marvel Studios taking over television. Because they're so, good shows. Yeah, I love, <laughs> I love the Defender shows. I watched all Visions of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Michael Pachanic is the best show ever, but there's a lot of charming things in there. Cloak and Dagger is really fun as like a teen drama. Uh, so whenever these characters pop back up, I get, gets me pumped. But the concern is always how will they be portrayed? Will it feel like the same character? And I do think Matt Murdock, like it's the same character. Like Charlie Cox is so extremely charming um, and he's just such a likable screen presence. And they even like lampshade some stuff like they set up a hallway fight for only for She-Hulk to interrupt it, which I thought was actually a fun gag. Me too. Um, they use the Daredevil theme song very briefly, which got me amped. I thought that was a really fun touch. Um, and I like that this is a Daredevil post the events of the Netflix shows. So he appears to be at peace with himself. Um, after all the events of the things that happened to him, he now is kind of moved into almost like a grizzled veteran status where he has his, he has a little great little superhero pep talk where he's uh, explaining to Jennifer Walters that like 
being both is good. Like, and I like that they utilize the character that way where you have, again, this is the good thing of a shared universe where you have someone who has done everything that she has done. Essentially, he was both, he is both a lawyer and a hero at night. And so he's explained to her the good that she can do with that, where she can help people with the law and then she can help people when the law fails them. Mm -hmm. I think that is a great utilization of a character that fans are familiar with and a character that people are, are fond of. And then plus like, it's just fun watching them interact. Like they're the, the chemistry they have is immediate and strong. And I like them actually as a couple, I think that'd be very cute if that continues on. But yeah, I was worried that he'd just be like, be hit with like the MCU joke Ray and he'd just be making a bunch of dumb one liners and stuff. Um, but most of his comedy came from him being just like a witty guy who likes to yes, make comments. personality, yeah. Um, and then he shows up in the finale uh, for reasons that we'll get into. And he's just at a family picnic thing. And I thought that was great where he's dealing with like um, her like family being embarrassing and he's weathering the storm really well. Um, and seeing Daredevil react to the Incredible Hulk showing up is so surreal and neat that I just I, enjoy yeah, that. that's cool. I like that. <laughs> um and yeah and they're like questioning him like about how the fact that his practice tends to be pro bono like you're not gonna make any money doing that and it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah yeah you know uh stuff like that really elevates the show and that's like we're we're watching her try and get like a hippie um abomination to do things he's supposed to that's fun yeah. uh, watching her try and defend leapfrog with who is the worst catchphrase in the world and he's just such an idiot that she can't even help him uh that's fun so uh, but I mean, the big thing is the finale and you seem more negative on the finale, uh, more on the negative side of the finale. And this is a very polarizing thing. I also have mixed feelings on it. I tend to lean more positive towards it uh, just as a thing that exists. But um, what is your feeling on the finale? Yeah. So the finale basically is she, there's, they set up this um, thing where like somebody's trying to get her blood, right? So they try so to a lot of people thought it would be um, the leader from the incredible hawk movie the leader i don't i don't remember a guy from the incredible so a uh, tim blake nelson scientist character um at the end in that movie oh, he gets him. stuff uh and he's coming back apparently they said he's going to be in the fourth captain america movie so he's funny so yeah, yeah. I, why not uh, he's a good performer um character actor basically he's kind of the same guy he seems like in, in his movies but at least in the few that i've seen but yeah, these people are trying to collect their blood. Um, lo and behold, there's also like people who are trying to take advantage of She-Hulk because they don't like her. They're the incel crew. And at the end, she uh, they basically satisfy a line from the beginning where that Bruce Banner has, where it's basically like if they if society starts to see you as a monster, it takes a very long time for them not to. And it, and it's almost impossible. And then at the end, she it's getting an award, but like incel four channers take over a television behind her and they dox her, put all her information up as well as a uh, non graphic, but still gra- uh, still implied sex tape. And she punches the screens. They break down. People run out of the gala. She attacks somebody. The person runs away. And I guess it's um that one team. It's not sword, but it's like a, t- a team of you know she gets arrested, put in the same jail cell that um. Uh, Tim Roth's character is put in and she finally gets out whatever and ends up finding out where these incels are meeting and she gets there and uh, it turns out that Tim Roth is the abomination he's not bad though he's just doing public speaking events which was pretty funny so it's like he probably doesn't even know who he's talking to he's just gonna do his thing and then leave Uh, just talking about recovery um and the one guy then says like well we were able to synthesize your blood and we're gonna turn into you and we're gonna fight you and he stabs himself and my first thought is uh we literally learned that only the banners can handle this so i was like cool we'll get some body horror and he'll like explode like in that episode of what if or something and that didn't happen i was disappointed by that but then she starts talking you know breaking the fourth wall and is like this isn't right and then bruce banner shows up why is he here and then daredevil no he didn't show up yet but uh, basically, she's like, no, 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 no. And it like cuts to black. And then she breaks out of the Disney Plus menu for total fourth wall breaking, goes into the making of show, the assembled thing, starts walking around the back lots, which I'm curious if they actually were. I can't. My first thought is there's no way this would be security breaching. And she goes to talk. She's like, she goes to the writer's room. It's the writers. It'd be cute if it was the real writers. I hope it is. And they're like, she's like, I want to talk to Kevin. Uh, and they're like, nobody talks to Kevin. She's like, well, I'm going to go find him. So she ends up getting into a fight with security. She finally gets to the this room. It's very not good CG. Um, and 
it is uh that's that's when you knew that the writers may have been in it but the cgi people were not um and uh she talks to kevin and it's a robot and it goes i'm the perfect algorithm i decide all the shows and movies whatever she basically in short uh it i only feel inclined to describe all the events because it's important to why people are not liking it but she basically talks with the kevin robot which has a hat which is pretty funny um and uh says like i want to change the ending of the show he goes no then she goes yes and she goes okay and then they change the end of the show and when they get back to the show it's just everyone's being arrested daredevil falls out of the sky and does his three-point landing and it's like why am i here it doesn't matter (laughs) we're dating now and then the show basically ends um oh and tim roth goes back to jail for like 10 years it's it's a long time but I, I guess whatever maybe it's well, the tie the, up that he won't be in the show scene, he gets bo- broken out by right wong, yes so. and wong then breaks him out because they want to talk about shows um the soprano stuff was funny we are living in a very good time <laughs> of television or whatever it's really funny um just as is he's in the last of his shows what would have been great is if he was watching one of the marvel netflix shows or disney in some capacity <laughs> it would have been like halloween showing the thing but enjoying this episode Grab that share link and tell your friends. Word of mouth is the most effective way for a podcast to reach new listeners, so don't be shy. Share the episode wherever you can. Yeah, I I will start by, I don't know what the controversy online is, other than people saying, like, not having commentary on the fact that these shows don't know how to have an ending is not ending a show well. I think that's true. Um, it's like, like you said earlier, having a gag about, like, did we just do that isn't just doesn't uh, retroactively make the joke funnier by being aware. Like self-awareness is not uh, awareness. Like it can actually be part of not being aware. Um, uh, just I'm name dropping them again, but I just rewatched the best of the worst of red letter media where they watch one of these movies that was like a post Tarantino movie. And it's very frustrating to watch because it was just so like post Tarantino. And like, it also tries to be self-aware, but it's like, it doesn't matter. Like you're still being like obnoxious about it. And like, that's, just kind of how I felt about it. I didn't feel mad about it. I just thought like, I don't like this choice. I get it. Like it, it hits all the metatextual beats that the show has that are underneath it, but it's becoming so textual. It's actually annoying. I also felt that the show wasn't as like, it didn't do the, um, breaking the fourth wall, Deadpool flea bag stuff to a point that was different than what we're used to. Like, and so when it becomes like, I'm breaking out of the Disney plus screen, it was so beyond what's like, like, a, like it's not like Enola Holmes is about to break out in a Netflix. Like the, this concept, this trope isn't so new that I was, exp- I, it just didn't seem like the precedent was set that we were going to go that far. And so it just, it was just not as rewarding. Um, not that I felt the show needed to be rewarding at all. Like I actually just thought like a simple fight at the end, whatever, but also like, I didn't really care for that final episode. I liked all the other drama stuff. Like, I I don't know, something more simple would have been more enjoyable. It's just, I think it's just okay. Like I, I I wish there were three more episodes and they were just simple dramas, you know, like a simple, like, like do the CSI thing, right. Where it's every episode's a new killer, but it's somehow maybe affected or tied to, or Lawrence Fishburne gets a notice and it's that one serial killer that keeps toying with them. And then the final episode's the confrontation with it, but it's still within the confines of she's having the law, like be a part of it. And then she goes and beats them up because the law didn't work. Something like that, like, like the ribbit episode, like that would have been good if that was the main plot line to me. Like if that was something, but it just wasn't. So I, I is fine. I think it's clever and creative and goofy, but it's not as clever or creative or goofy as I think it is trying yeah. to be. It's more like the geeky nerd equivalent of being creative and clever. And that is not actually that creative or clever. That's like saying, you know, it'd be a cool Funko pop Obama. That would be a cool Funko pop. Right guys. And then everyone laughs, but it's actually not that funny if you don't, care about Funko Pops like this is only the funny version if you specifically care about the Marvel Cinematic Universe but even then like doesn't sound like it's going over well I don't know what what did you feel about this so yeah my wife was also not super enthused about it she thought it was interesting like she she it was like yeah that's good that was kind of funny also by the way I just forgot to mention it but it also strips away from Gwenpool in my opinion the potential for Gwenpool like this 
is a to me it was a Gwenpool thing to do that. I don't know, but maybe it's because Gwenpool's stuck in her world, in the Marvel world, that it makes it funnier. But I don't know. That to me was also disappointing. Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I, I I think if if they hit the themes harder all season, like leading up to that, like to have a big concept ending, I think it had been stronger. If like it, it it kind of foreshadowed this sort of thing more and more. Yeah, like what if like it got too loud for Daredevil, so she pulls a remote out and turns my TV down. Oh yeah, that that have been fun. Like yeah, like both in terms of like what she does as far as fourth wall breaking goes, as well as just thematically. Like if if I don't know, I felt like it could have just been bled up too strong, more strong strongly. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I'm two minds of it. Like one is it, it again? Like I just I really do appreciate how different how the box it was. Um, and again, like to play the card, Out like of the television box, you just let that one go and you didn't keep going. It was a total pun set up and pay yeah, off. Um, so like <laughs> as people point out online in the comics, she hulks fourth wall breaking is much more overt. Like she literally will just like break out of panels and go to other panels. Um, she'll walk through the ads in the, in the comics and stuff like that. Um, she'll talk directly to the writers and stuff. But like, again, as far as what we know within this universe like um it was limited to her just talking to the camera um so it is a big leap in terms of her doing that i granted it's not out of the realm possibility like we've seen lots of crazy things happen in in marvel and so like that that didn't bother me too much especially because i kind of anticipated like she would do some sort of massive fourth wall breaking as part of the finale um and yeah i I appreciate all the in jokes it felt like jokes written for me like them talking about the future of x-men complaining about the way all these finales are all the same and all this stuff like those all felt like jokes like that were written by people who were like on twitter and reddit and you know reading fan responses and stuff so it felt very insider baseball and so like in that way i felt very catered to as far as that sequence goes but like it is also narratively not super satisfying like all these characters stuff i've been invested in just don't matter kind of at the end, you know? So yes. it's like, um, intelligentsia gets wrapped up, I guess. And then, you know, Tim Roth goes back to jail and, um, Hulk is just back from Sakar, you know? And so, okay, I get, it's fine. Like it's interesting and it's unique, but it didn't necessarily feel like a full blown payoff to all the stuff that I've been invested in. So, so I'm very mixed on it. Like I appreciate it for, for being different and I appreciate it for, giving me a couple laughs and just being so different and weird. And of course they try to get Kevin Feige to voice Kevin and he refused apparently. Cause he just, he wanted, uh-huh. he just, he just wasn't interested in that. He also made them not, he, they wanted the, the, the robot to be wearing a hat. And he said that wouldn't make any sense. So they made the hat part of the what? robot itself. It would, it's a comedy. It doesn't need to make sense. It's I, I love Kevin. Like he's just, he seems like very like, um, he just seems like a nerd, like in, in, a, in a good, in a good way. Like, why? Yeah, 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 why yeah. would that happen? You know? <laughs> so, you know, I, I overall, she Hulk is like, it's a very amusing, interesting little show. And I love the characters, but I definitely feel like, um, I feel like there's potential here. I think I would like to see a second season where they, where they kind of get more out of the box. Like they, they focus more on the lawyer stuff and, um, they like explore these characters more and, you know, maybe Daredevil could be a supporting character or something, but um, yeah, I, I think as far as the Disney plus shows go, it's the one that made me feel the most like I was watching like, a real show. <laughs> like I didn't yes. feel like I was watching a six hour Falcon and winter soldier movie or a six hour um, Hawkeye movie. And I like Hawkeye. Like I really liked the characters. Of course, obviously, as you may have guessed, I really loved Kingpin being in the show. That was a big bonus for me. Um, this was, this felt like, it's felt like a step in the right direction and um, I am interested and this, I say this after every one of these things, I'm interested in what they do next and that's gosh darn it. They just keep hooking me in. Yeah. Uh, anything else from She-Hulk that you. <laughs> Not really. Um, it's probably going to be our shortest discussion episode at this point, but I, I don't know. I, I thought the show was okay. I thought the performances were good. The jokes are serviceably funny and occasionally really quite good. I like I said, I think the ending is okay. Um, but it's and and it's hitting its metatextual stuff, but it's not hitting its text. And and that's the biggest problem. Like you still have a story you gotta wrap up, and like I just I don't know. That's like like how does this power equate to like like you thought Kang was powerful? What the heck was this, right? Like this is crazy. Like I don't know. Like it's just like it's Yeah, what's the could she just pause a fight? 
and then like go to the writers and make them write the villain to not exist anymore. Right. You know? And so, and that even further, this is, I'll call it the extension of the Patreon discussion. But like when you call, talk about correlation between these shows and the movies, like if they're not separated enough in, and that's not distinct, like I don't know, that kind of pulls out and pulls away from some of the fiction, the, the, the fragility of the fiction. And so that's kind of disappointing. Like, I don't know, Werewolf by Night can tear people apart and they die, and like Man Thing can burn someone alive, and then She Hulk punches someone into the air, and the person falls down and they don't die or have any broken ribs, or they just end up being fine. And like, okay, I guess she's not that powerful then, because for some reason physics was cool with it. I don't know. It's it's very bizarre. And that's just like it works, but it also doesn't. Like the I think I think the at the in phase four. It's just everything is pining to be its own thing, but it also still has to be a part of something. And all of us are kind of engaging this media in the same way where I think we all, if you're not doing it on purpose, your brain's doing it, where it wants it to all be its own thing and you're getting a little upset and you don't know why. So you just go to Twitter and you ask your friends, She-Hulk was a little weird, wasn't it? And But then like people who are a little more in tune are probably going like, yeah, it would be nice if this was its own thing through and through. And it wasn't limited by other stuff. I don't know, like in the way that it can still have its hero or, or cameo of the day, hero of the day kind of thing of the episode kind of thing, but also be its own thing. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, it makes me feel some kind of way, not bad, <laughs> but just some kind of way. And it's just, it's just tiresome. Like it's, it's exhausting. Um, and so, yeah, like Kang is super m- way more powerful than those celestial beings in Eternals. So Eternals kind of has no weight or grasp, but then now She-Hulk can literally affect my Disney plus. So like, not really, but like, well, you know, and so like, does Kang have any powers? I guess only if he's in the theaters, maybe that's what happens. Like She-Hulk does tries to turn off the, the thing and, and Kang goes, little did you know, you don't have licensure in AMC theaters. She <laughs> Hulk ah! freaks out. I don't know. Like, and do I want that? Like, I don't really think so. Like, it's just, I don't know. It, I don't know. It, it's clever and cute, I guess. But like I said, this it's is like, like the nerdiest like thing I've ever like a player. It's, it's the Obama like, what's the, Funko what's the, Pop. What's the power leveling of fourth wall breaking? It's the versus... Obama Funko Pop. It's like, and it probably exists. Someone's going to tweet at us. They make but Funko like, Pops every year for all the presidents. Like candidates. See what I mean, man? Like who wants this? Like it's, come on. I don't like this. This is like, it's just this ruining is very my day. strange. Like it's the worst episode of the podcast. It's ruining my life. I don't know what you're talking about. Like it is. You just get just, yelling Funko Pop at me over and over. It just makes me upset. I'm upset, Dan. <laughs> I'm getting sick again. It's happening right now. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to get sick and throw up. It's just terrible. Hey there, listener. Want to influence the podcast? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support the show for $3 a month. In doing so, you'll be able to vote on a movie poll that picks a film we discuss each month. So jump on over there and have your voice heard. It's a show, and I think it just, I think it bites off more it can chew without realizing that it's doing it. And it's just, it's disappointing, but it's also fine. Like, I just, I really think the show would have been best if it just stayed limited to its lawyer stuff. And I think you kind of felt the same. Uh, I think most people felt the uh, same. Yeah. The I, lawyer stuff's fun. I like these random superheroes that are like, this is my power. This is how I broke the law using it. Okay. <laughs> Let's figure out how we could either put you in jail or not. And I, I really like that stuff. It's cool. Yeah, and I will say also a great use of the general Walters character is like similar to Matt Murdock, but like she tip typically when the characters like in the comics need some legal like representation, Jennifer Walters is the one who pops up. So like in future movies and shows, like when a superhero needs some help, that's a good time for a Jennifer Walters cameo, you know? So it's a great utility player character where you can just like plug her into so many different things. Uh, because of that so like i would like this thing where like she's the like superhero superheroes and then like daredevil is uh matt murdoch is the the lawyer for like vigilante like street level heroes yeah and i think that'd be cool to compare this even to dc like part of what the snyderverse loses is it's like these guys are gods and they're above humans and they only care a little bit about humans except for when they fight in metropolis when <laughs> against zod then humans are 
ants and they're in my way. But like in this, with this idea of having like a superhero lawyer is like, yeah, you might be super powerful and you can just leave the planet Earth. But if you're in the United States, you got to follow our rules. And I like that then it creates superheroes into an institution equal or beside like the government because I don't know. That's kind of interesting to have that. Like, okay, you might have gotten into a fight, but you got into a fight at Denny's. And now Denny's has legal right to say you're not allowed to be there. Can, is there going to be like a cake maker who won't make cakes for superheroes? Like, is that a thing? And can the legal law be like, no, you got to make cakes for superheroes just because they're a superhero doesn't mean you can't make cakes for them. So like, I, that's interesting to me. I want something like that. Maybe that's too on the nose, but that sounds perfect for She-Hulk since they're just trying to be on the nose anyway. Um, that's all more interesting to me than doing metatextual wall breaking at the end here with this episode, or even like, yeah, like Hawkeye. Like, so I don't know. It's like, um, explore more of that, like get some good writing into that. That sounds more interesting. Like, uh, so yeah, a, a second season would be great. I think that would be really fun to have and having more of these court cases. The other characters are fun. The fact that she's just in her superpowered state most of the time, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it, it, um, simultaneously better than I expected. Went directions I didn't know it would do. And then also disappointing, like now that I know the directions it's went. Um, but it really is almost exclusively that last episode. Like it's not the rest. It's almost like better than Falcon, but has the same problem where like it doesn't know how to end the show. And it just kind of has this weird thing going on. So it's good. I had some good laughs. Um, any final thoughts before we recommend stuff? Yeah, I think it's solid. Um, I enjoyed it. I, um, I would like more things that are episodic like this yes, was please. And it's good to see daredevil again, man. I really like yes. Daredevil. <laughs> like that's like that, that, that one episode really overrides a lot of this stuff for me. So give me punisher, give, give a case where she has to take care of punisher too. That'd be kind uh, of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like a parallel to the Daredevil ones, except it's yeah. more goofy this time. <laughs> you get Sam Raimi violence in there too. That'd be kind of fun. But... Hey, hey, hey. We have some Patreon goals we're trying to reach. If we get enough support, we'll review each God's Not Dead movie, as well as The Inhumans, that really bad Marvel show from a couple years ago. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and share your support. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll do recommendations. Let's let's kick it. Let's do it. What uh, what recommendation do you have, Dan? Oh, geez. Um, I totally forgot to have another recommendation. <laughs> I did <laughs> too, did but another, I, I found the one that I had we did in the back of my episode. head. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, why don't you recommend something first, Mel? <laughs> okay. Uh, we can just do one each then uh, to save us some time. Um, and <laughs> effort of finding recommendations. I've been, uh, I actually, this recommendation comes with a little mini game. I just want to know how many recommendations or how many streaming sites, you know, Daniel, can you name the amount of streaming sites that, you know, exist and I'll count off like by like, name, I'm, by name, by name. Yes. Uh, freebie. Okay. One, two B, uh-huh. uh, Netflix, mm-hmm. Hulu, mm-hmm. shutter, mm-hmm. film stuck. Paramount Plus, Peacock, RSA Hulu. Yes, yes. Disney Plus. Okay. Um, HBO Max, mm-hmm. Pluto TV. Yeah. Um, I mean, are we counting like really specific ones like sports streaming and stuff? Technically, those are streaming like Fight, sites, yeah. Fight TV, DAZN, Impact Plus, Wrestling TV. <laughs> I love that we're now getting into like rest of the WWE ones Network. <laughs> so... Uh, clearly there's a lot of streaming services. Going. There's so many more. Uh, it's kind of maddening and it's really hard to know where you're trying to watch your shows and what to do. We're going to go. I mean, you named over 15 at that point. Uh, oh, there's a new show, a new movie. Where is it on? Oh, that's the hard part. Um, I use a website called justwatch.com. You literally go to it, justwatch.com, search a movie and it'll immediately tell you where it is. So I will put in uh, Nope, and it'll tell me that Nope can per- be bought. I mean, at this point, you can't rent it yet, but you can buy it on Apple TV. You can get it on Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, a lot of specific uh, sites. Um, I can also do, I'm only going to explain two, just because there was one that was really hard for me that I was trying to find, and I could only find it on like one service. 
It was the one that you and I were talking about maybe doing. It was like a haunted house one. Oh, it's not haunt. It's called house. We were thinking of doing it for a Patreon thing. And it's uh, not all the other houses, but it's the one that's from 2008. It's like a, it's based off of Frank Peretti books. It's a Christian slasher movie. And uh, if we were going to have to do it for Patreon, uh, which I guess at this point, you know, we did not, but I was going to have to know where it's at. And it turns out it's on Amazon. It's on Prime, but it's not really on many sites at all. Conversely, the other one that's probably the episode up right now for Hangman's Curse isn't streaming anywhere and sometimes there's movies streaming on like two sites so uh this website is great it is uh, a little finicky like i find the search bar is always like i have to search something twice to actually get the website to realize what i'm searching so they need to fix that but once you find what movie you were trying to find it tells you where it's free it tells you where it's subscription based it tells you where it's rentable and it tells you where you can buy it and it is great so i definitely recommend just watch because it is getting very very hard to know where stuff is now because there's so many streaming sites uh it's getting annoying but just watch makes it so easy so uh definitely use just watch for your streaming needs Daniel, did you ever figure out what your recommendation is going to be? Oh, so I've been reading a book and it's, so I'm a fan of the writing of Chuck Klosterman. Um, I just like the way he writes. I think he's amusing. Um, I like, like, I like the kind of like uh, investigating of pop culture and trying to find some sort of meaning in it. I like that stuff. Uh, some kind of find it a little try hard, a little trite, uh, but I enjoy his writing, particularly um, in his recent-ish book, Chuck Klosterman 4, he does quite a few there's the first section is mostly just interviews he did like he did like those profiles he did for magazines um where he just hung out with like famous people and like wrote down what it was like hanging out with them and talking to them and you get some really great nuggets and you get some really good insights into people everyone from metallica to val kilmer to radiohead um really interesting stuff he includes a really bizarre interview with britney spears that's really interesting to read and um, it's just, it's just, uh, if you're into pop culture, you probably are familiar with his writing to some degree. I do think this particular collection uh, is worth picking up at the very least, just to get some interesting insight into various pop culture figures. So, four by Chuck Klosterman. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.